So today we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 38. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. As we look at a study, it's, it's about surrendering really to God's love. Surrendering to God's love. And, you know, we're going to see this tonight, that basically what was happening in Judah and Jerusalem was that the children of Israel, had, unfortunately, had, had failed God. And so the Assyrians came and took them away in 722 uh, B.C. Uh, and now the, the Jews, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah, God had been dealing with them and dealing with them and dealing with them until finally uh, it was enough. And so um, God was going to speak to the leader. He's the king, King Zedekiah. And he says, listen, if you would surrender, if you would simply surrender to the chastening of God, to, to the will of God, really it was to the love of God because he didn't want to leave them in their sins, then we won't burn the city down. Uh, the women won't be ravished like this. Uh, the, the sword, the pestilence, the famine, you won't have to experience all of that if only you would surrender to God's love. And so I, I think for us, in looking at this today, we're going to see that's a huge aspect of this. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the, the word surrender is only found eight times in the entire Bible. We just got done singing about surrendering, and I think we know what that is. Like maybe you're here tonight, and there's certain areas of your life that you have not relinquished uh, full control to God. There, there's areas of our life that we're still holding on to. Um, there's things that God's showing you to do that you're not doing. There's things that maybe we've been doing that we shouldn't be doing, and God is just saying, hey, it's time to surrender. And so the word is found eight times in the Bible, but five times in chapter 38 of Jeremiah. And so you can talk to any Bible expositor, and they'll tell you, yeah, if you see a word repeated, uh, it's because there's an emphasis there. And so I think, you know, when we raise our hands and worship, right, I, I, there's different uh, reasons we raise our hands. Uh, some people would say we raise our hands to receive from God, right, uh, to praise God. But there's also those who would say that the lifting of our hands is to surrender to God. God, I give you my life. I, I give you my thoughts. I give you my words and actions, decisions, all that I am. And you just, uh, you raise the white flag. You throw in the towel. You just, you're done. You're broken of your will. This is what Christians are called to do. And so, unfortunately, uh, we got a lot of people that are kicking against the goats. We got a lot of, you know, people. They're like these wild stallions, and they just will not be broken so what does the god what does god's word say to single people what does god's word say to to the married people to all those of us that sometimes we've been walking with the lord for many years now and god says by this time you should be and then he finishes the sentence and so prayerfully tonight there's going to be some uh, work of the holy spirit that just uh, changes things now just real quick in preparation for these chapters um, a few words kind of stood out to me. We have uh, some words uh, to show you. One is a sanctified surrender, uh, lessons on leadership, true and total trust, and, and pits of prophecy. And we'll just want to kind of like prepare you for it. So uh, we already touched on surrender, but King Zedekiah, think about it. Imagine what an influence he had on the entire nation, the entire nation. If only this man 
would lead them in surrender, then their houses wouldn't be burned down, the temple wouldn't be burned down, and all these unnecessary deaths wouldn't take place. Leaders, very important. And so you might be here tonight and you might be thinking, well, I'm not a leader, but I think many of us are leaders. You know, there are many people who are leaders here today that you influence people, that some are following you, and if we are bad leaders... Uh, those who are, you know, we're trying to influence, they will suffer the consequences of bad leadership. And so Zedekiah, he is a horrible leader, but God had put him there as king. You might be here today and you might be thinking, well, I'm not a natural leader. And so there's a lot of people who are put in positions of leadership, but they're not really natural leaders, you know, by nature, not the type A personality. That's okay. The main thing is you just have to follow the word of God and you'll be good. And so we'll talk about lessons on leadership, uh, about trust. This uh, servant, this Ethiopian guy is such an example for us. We'll talk about prophecy. And in one sense, I'll give you three more words to write down if you're taking notes. Because when I was praying right before this study, I just thought these are the things that I really, I, I think, are important. Number one, leaders. And so we'll talk about being leaders. Number two is counselors, counselors. So there were some bad counselors here that unfortunately the king listened to. And, uh, and there's a good counselor. We'll talk about this guy. So leaders, counselors, and messengers, messengers. So Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah was a messenger. You are too. All these things apply to us. You're a leader. I believe that God's going to call you to lead and people will follow. You're a, a counselor. You, you, you tell people, you encourage people, you give guidance to people. And they also talk to you. So you have to know what counselors to listen to. And then there's the messengers. And so if you, anybody here who wants to be a messenger of God can be. If you have an ear to hear what God is saying, and then he'll say you're willing to speak, then he will use you as a messenger. And you, you might end up in a pit like Jeremiah, he ended up in the slimy cistern pit sinking in the mud, but that's okay because it's a good thing when you're in those pits because you did something right. God would bless Jeremiah. It's not a good thing when you end up in pits because you did something wrong. And so one last thing before we dive in, this one guy said uh, of Zedekiah, he was a king with a wishbone instead of a backbone. I thought that was pretty heavy, man. (laughs) Very, very heavy. And so look what we read, Jeremiah 38. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, Now, Shephathiah, the son of Metan, Gadaliah, the son of Pashur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, they heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore, the princes, they they said to the king, because Jeremiah was sharing this message, they said, please let this man be put to death. They're talking about Jeremiah. 
For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remained in this city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this is what they said about Jeremiah. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. So the the Babylonians were the world power in those days. They had come in 605 B.C., uh, taken some Jews away. Daniel was part of that. They came again in 597, and they took uh, more Jews away. In 597, Ezekiel was one of them. And now we're getting close to 586 B.C. They're going to actually be here for 30 months surrounding the city, and Jeremiah now, he's actually in kind of like uh, the courtyard of the palace prison. So he's not in the dungeon, but he's still there. That's where we picked it up last time we were in Jeremiah. And as he's there, he just does not stop warning the people. You know, for us today, uh, not, not, we're not Jeremiah's, but I think we know Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Get ready. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ, and he's telling the people, you need to get ready because Jesus is coming. I think for us as Christians, we should be saying the same thing. We don't know the day or the hour. I mean, maybe, yeah, it's another thousand years, but the way that we look at things now, I think that's the message that we need to be sharing. We need to be warning people, not just that Jesus is coming, but you, my friend, are dying. We are all dying. We're all getting closer and closer to that time that we will stand before God. And so here's Jeremiah with the burden. He's sharing with the people, hey, you guys, uh, you got to surrender to the Babylonians. That's the only way you're going to live because what God's going to do, he's going to conquer this city and you're either going to die by sword, uh, by famine, or by pestilence. So we recently went through somewhat of a pestilence, and so you guys can know the, the toll that that takes. And so yield yourself, surrender yourself to the loving discipline of God. God was not going to erase the Jews or eradicate the Jews. He was going to send them to Babylon for 70 years, but then they would return. And just like the Jews are here today. So, but in the meantime, he had to deal with them, purge them of their idolatry. And so Jeremiah here is sharing the message, but these princes, it says in verse 4, these guys, this aristocracy, these, these guys from the, the palace, they say, hey, this guy is, is not you know, for us. It says right there at the end of verse 4, for this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Now, sometimes you look at a pastor, a preacher, a Christian, whatever, and they're trying to share things with you and and, you know, sometimes a young person and, they, oh, they just want to quench my style. They just want to take away my fun. And, and no, that's not why. It's because we care for you. We love you. This right here, the word of God, the living God, the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm telling you this. It's not to take your fun away. It's not why we're against you. The whole, the whole reason is because we are for you. We want you to go to heaven when you die. And we want you to live the beautiful life on planet Earth. And we want you to experience the joy of God using your life to the uttermost. And so it's not that he was against them. It's that he was for them. And so they tell the king, hey, this guy has to die. And in verse 5, it says, Then Zedekiah the king said, 
Look, you know, he's in your hand. For the king can do nothing against you. Dude, (laughs) you're the king. What are you talking about? You've been given that authority to lead the nation. They're asking you, well, what should we do with Jeremiah? Because, man, this guy right here, he's saying he's, you know, quenching the, 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 the momentum or the strength of the soldiers and they're losing courage because of the message. And so, you know, we need to kill him. And so what do you think? They're asking him. And all he says is, oh, go ahead and, and do whatever you want. You know, I can't really stop you. Yes, you can. You know what? I want to say this real quick. Sometimes parents are like that. Sometimes our parents, no, you're, you're a parent. You're, you're not a friend yet. Sometimes they want to be friends, and God says, you know what, Let that, that happens in time. For now, you have to tell them no, and they may not like you for that, but you will protect them from drugs. You will protect them from alcohol. You, you know, you set a time when they have to be home or who they're going out with, you protect them, you know, from getting pregnant. Be a parent. Right here we have this king. He's not willing to be a king. Like I said earlier, he was more of a guy with a wishbone instead of a, instead of a, a backbone. And, and so, uh, unfortunately, he's like we're talking about leaders. We're talking about counselors. He was listening uh, to lies. You know, Proverbs 29 and verse 12, it says, If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. And if you're a leader, we got to make sure that we are not, you know, being fed and led by lies. We have to make sure that we have good counselors around us. But Zedekiah, he just, and and you're going to see the way this guy vacillates. It's incredible. Hey, go ahead, do whatever you want. And so in verse 6, it says, So they took Jeremiah, cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water, but mire. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. And so it's interesting what we see right here. Right here, it says they cast him into the dungeon Literally, it was a cistern. In those days, it was uh, dug out of the rock and it was there to catch the water when the rain uh, fell. Um, Sometimes they would gather water from the rivers or springs and put it there in their cisterns. And so in this case, there was not a lot of water, but over the years with the water comes the mud, uh, miry clay. And so it's kind of interesting. They want to kill Jeremiah they didn't just throw him in there. They didn't just, you know, chop off his head or something. And you wonder, why did they let him down with ropes? What, what's, what's that all about? And you know what, what, what it probably is, is these guys were kind of one of those weird uh, religious people that they thought that they could get by on a technicality. And they thought that, well, if we, as long as we don't shed blood, you know, yeah, we want him dead, but we're not going to throw him in the cistern because then that might kill him. You know, we're going to let him down nicely, and then, you know, we're kind of like blameless. And then if he dies, he dies, but we didn't do it. 
It's kind of like a technicality like that. It's kind of like some people, just to use a different illustration, you know, we talk about sexual sin, right? And some people think that the only way you can commit sexual sin is by the actual act, right? And and no, I mean, you you name it. There are other ways of committing sexual sin. Sometimes people, well, we didn't go all the way. Yeah, but you did that and you touched that and you saw that and these other, you're looking at that. And Jesus said, no, you, you can't get off on a technicality. No, that's sin. This is what they were doing. They thought that they could get away with this by just kind of lowering Jeremiah into the, into the miry clay. And then, you know, eventually they would get what they really wanted, and that is that he would die. And so, you know, we're talking about leaders. We're talking about counselors. And then we're talking about messengers. Why did Jeremiah... Why did they hate him so much? Because he spoke the word of God to them. He spoke the word of God to them. And it's important for us as pastors and people in churches that they don't just say what the people want to hear. Believe you me, we could change it up a lot. We can make it a lot more fun. And we could talk a lot, a lot, about, a lot about, about a lot of different things. And probably more people would show up. But is that what you want, a congregation that doesn't hunger and thirst for the Bible? And so here we have Jeremiah in the pit because he was a faithful prophet. He's getting older now. It's getting close to his 40 years of ministry. And all he's been sharing is this message. It doesn't change. And so he's there. He's sinking in the mire. But look what happens. Verse 7 it says, now, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin. Ebed-Melech went out of the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, my lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Elech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from here thirty men with you, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. And so Ebed-Melech took the men with him, went into the house of the king under the treasury, took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. And so they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. There was the courtyard where he was earlier. And so to me, it's interesting, this guy Ebed-Melech. So we're talking about good counselors like him and then the bad counselors. You're going to have guys like that in your life. You're going to have girls like that in your life. The, The wisdom is to know the difference. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. These these other uh, princes, they they were bad. This eunuch, and we're not sure if he was literally a eunuch, because in the Hebrew it could go either way, Um, but he was definitely there as a place of influence to the king. 
And he says, wait a minute, time out. They put Jeremiah there in the pit and he's going to die. And so this is the same king that had just given the green light for them to put Jeremiah in the cistern, in, the, in that dungeon. Now the king says, okay, go ahead and take him out. It's like, dude, what kind of leader are you? You do not know the voice of God. You do not know the will of God. You do not know the word of God. And here's Jeremiah the prophet, and you're like playing Russian roulette. You know, James chapter 1 in verse 8, it describes Zedekiah. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, for us, the thing that we have to have in our heart, going here, going there, all over the place, unstable, believe you me, that's not going to be a good, good thing. Leaders, men, husbands, dads especially, you know, we have to know the way and then go the way and show the way, right? And so here's this guy, he's kind of a funny king, you know, it's like, okay, um, Go ahead and throw him in the dungeon. And then, oh, let me take him out. Okay, go ahead and, and take him out. And unfortunately, we see that he was the ruin of this city. You know, thank God they rescued Jeremiah. And so look what happens in verse 14. It says, Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. And Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. And so Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, check this out, this king, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. And he had said that before. (laughs) You know, the king goes to Jeremiah and it's a secret entrance. He doesn't want anybody to see. And he goes to Jeremiah and he says, uh, hey, tell me the word, man. Give me the word. And and Jeremiah says, you know what? You can't handle the word. You can't handle it. Because if I tell it to you, all you're going to want to do is kill me and hate me for correcting you. For telling you what you need to do, you need to get a backbone and you need to lead this nation. But you're not willing to do it. You're not willing to die to self. You're not willing to follow God. And so, you know, you know, he's telling him, you're, you're not going to listen to me. All you're going to want to do is kill me. Now, the king says, um, I won't kill you. I promise I won't kill you. But he doesn't say, and I will listen. He doesn't say that. You know, and I praise God that you guys are here. I thank God that I get the opportunity to teach the word. You know, but the big question is, why are you here? Be honest. Why are you here? Is it just a routine? Sometimes you got guys that go to church for girls. I'm going to find me a girl there. Sometimes you got guys, maybe they come to church service and they're like, hey, you know what? I just want to appease the religious side of me. You know, for us, getting together and and truly worshiping God during worship, we're worshiping God. Let me ask you a question. Were you worshiping God during that time? Now, some of you probably were. But some of you, if you're honest, you weren't. So I know all of our life is a worship. I understand that. But when we're singing, you know, my prayer is that we would be, you know, singing to God 
and praising him because I believe there's power in praise. And maybe that sin that you're dealing with that has just got you in chains will be broken when you praise the Lord. I've seen that happen many times. Uh, another thing, well, I'm here because, you know, I'm serving tonight, or I'm here, you know, and the various reasons, because afterwards we're going to go to in and out I, I mean, I'm here, you know, for whatever the reason might be. No, but then, but uh, hopefully also it's like because we go to church service, because Lord willing, there will be a message for me from God. A message for me from God. And then... What will you do with it? Will you leave today and you say, then I hate that guy with a mustard shirt, whatever color this is, man. He doesn't even care for us. And, you know, he's always yelling and stuff. And I have to because otherwise you guys will fall asleep. And so, you know, <laughs> and so, you know, you're trying these things and then, or either that or like, uh, you know, you're not going to change anything. And what I've learned is that you have to come, and sometimes it's right away. You're like, okay, this is what the Lord's sharing with me. But other times you have to go home and spend time with God and just ask him, Lord, how did that study, how did that study apply to my life? What are the things that, that need to change? This guy right here, he's asking Jeremiah, you know, and yeah, tell me the truth, be honest. And so Jeremiah appeases him, even though he knows it's futile. It says in verse 17, Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. Now, I think that's interesting how he uses the word soul there. Because we're going to see that even though he didn't surrender, he still lived physically but i believe spiritually he died because he did not surrender and believe it or not there are some people i know most of you love the lord i know most of you do i believe that but there might be some of you here you are wolf in sheep's clothing you're, you're not really here for the right reason and god is saying hey i love you I love you. It might be somebody watching online. I love you. And you got to surrender because otherwise your soul, your soul will perish. That's what he's talking about right there. If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house. That's your family, by the way, your family. Now, again, leaders, remember how you influence your family, he says, if you surrender, your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire and you shall not escape from their hand. And Zedekiah, the king said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands and, and they abuse me. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No matter what. You know, sometimes we get guys and they're, they're, they're coming to church and they're struggling with 
the drugs and they're not really willing to let it all go, to just let it go, to surrender completely, bow both knees to Jesus, to give him their heart. It's kind of like one foot in and one foot out. And then, then the next thing you know, they're out there, they're gone. And I see them and they're homeless. I see them and my heart just aches for them because those drugs open doors to demons. And that's why if, you're, if you can still understand what I'm saying, if you can still understand this, you, you, my prayer is that we would surrender to the Lord and sometimes it's his discipline, different ways that he deals with us. You know, we'll always, make, we'll always find reasons not to. Well, there's always reasons not to. Here's Zedekiah in verse 19 says, I'm afraid because some of the Jews had defected to the Babylonians and apparently they were people that he had upset before. So he says, man, if I go to the Babylonians and they're going to turn me over to those guys right there and then they're going to torture me. And so, you know, there's always those fears. What will happen to my life if I give God every single area? If I surrender it all to him, and you can think of this and that, and this won't be good, and, and I just love verse 20 in my Bible. I underlined and circled, and it's just about being obedient to the voice of the Lord. So it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now behold, all the women who are left in the king of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes, and those women shall say, your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire and they have turned away again. What's he saying there? Jeremiah is just warning them. And see, not only, you guys, if we don't like really truly, totally allow Jesus to be the Lord of our life, the king in our heart, on our heart, there's a throne. Jesus has to sit on that throne. You can't sit on that throne. I can't sit on that throne. And if I don't come to that place where Jesus is the one sitting on this throne, then Jeremiah says, your soul will perish. And then he starts talking about the specifics of what would happen to Jerusalem. It will be burned down. Think about what happened in Maui. And we're getting these images and we're seeing the, the way that just the catastrophe and it was like those war zones and it's this heartbreaking. And this, is, this could have been prevented if only the leader, the leader would have surrendered to the lordship of God. But he refused to, capitulating to, to those that he was supposed to lead. These princes, the part of the whatever, the family there in the royal palace. No, you, you can't do that. So what happens right here, Jeremiah says, okay, not only are Jerusalem's going to be burned, the temple's going to be burned, famine, pestilence, um, then your wives. You read the book of Lamentations, the women will be ravished. The women will because you chose not to do the right thing. Do you realize, do we realize the consequences of our sin? Some people are deceived into thinking, well, I can sin and it won't affect anybody. Oh, it will affect all the people all around you. That's what we see in the scriptures. And so your wives will be taken by the princes of Babylon. And as they're there, it's interesting, Jeremiah kind of quotes like from a, from a poem 
And basically what they say right here in, in, um, in verse 22, your close friends, your counselors, the ones that were giving you bogus advice, they're going to abandon you. And you, you will sink in the mire. See, it's not Jeremiah sinking in the mire. It's going to be you, King Zedekiah. And so with a, with a heavy, heavy warning like that, you know, you would figure the king would, you know, be repentant and tear his clothes and get right with God. And even tonight, you know, heavy warning for me, heavy warning for you because we love you. We love you. Some people, they'll leave tonight just like any other night, chewing their gum, blowing bubbles, skipping outside. And God says, you know what? You need to go and you need to change. Uh, this is what happens. So it says in verse 23, So they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans. You shall not escape from their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon. And you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. And then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, so, so Jeremiah tells him what would happen. And so this is the king's response. Verse 24, the king's response. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words and you shall not die. But if the princes hear that I have talked with you and they come to you and say to you, declare to us now what will you have said to the king and also what the king said to you, do not hide it from us and we will not put you to death. The king says, then you shall say to them, Tell them this, Jeremiah. I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. Sure enough, it says in verse 27, then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked him. And he told them according to all these words that the king had commanded. And so they stopped speaking with him or asking him for the conversation had not been heard. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. You know, he just basically says, um, when they come, these princes come, what a pathetic leader. The fear of man brings a snare. Don't get me wrong. As a leader, you, you, know, you listen to those that are beside you. You know, you, you ask counsel, but don't be one of those people who goes around asking counsel until finally you saw, find someone who tells you what you want to hear. You know, we will all have to face certain decisions that we must make on our own. You know, and yeah, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, yeah, what do you think about this? But as a leader, myself, even as a pastor, what does God think about this? Because I have a responsibility to God. If you're a husband, you are the leader. Praise God for your wife and your children. And nine times out of ten, or maybe even 99 times out of a hundred, you are going to submit to them. But you got to make sure that you don't allow them to take the leadership because that's your job. Your job is to follow God. And as a, as a leader... You have to hear God's voice. You know, uh, everyone well-intentioned, perhaps. I don't know about these, you know, royal aristocrats, these princes, the officials that were giving King Zedekiah bad counsel. Maybe they thought they were giving him the right counsel. You know, hey, no, God's going to deliver us. We're going to be okay, and we don't need to defect to the Babylonians. But it was not the right counsel, and the king knew it. 
and, and Jeremiah knew it as well. And so when Jeremiah gives him the, the word and, and Zedekiah just says, okay, well, just do me a favor. If they come and ask you what we talked about, just tell them that, you know, you were asking me to, to be set free, which probably was part of what Jeremiah's uh, conversation was. But it's kind of like uh, someone saying, hey, um, I don't know. Nowadays, you guys know nowadays people don't like Christians. Did you guys know nowadays people? And they, and, and they find out, like, you went to church, you wouldn't, oh, but you won't tell them. Oh, I'm not going to tell them I went to church, you know, because they might think I'm weird or something. Jerem, I, I was thinking about Greg Laurie when he first got saved, how um, he had a Bible, right? And so this is just the beginning days of Greg Laurie. And he went over his friend's house, and he didn't want them to know that he had a Bible. And so he threw it in the bush. He threw it in the bush, and then he went inside the house. And then it was kind of funny because I guess after he had arrived, uh, I think it was the mom of the house, she came in the house and she said, hey, whose Bible is this? <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like the, the king is saying, I don't want anybody to know that I was talking to you, that I was listening to you, that I, you know, was in any way listening to the message that you would have to say and that I allowed you to survive it. And so it's kind of like that. You know, what we find is that this king, this leader who had been given so much responsibility was not willing to lead by following God. He listened to bad counselors rather than the good counselors. He was a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's why um, I love the description of Job. It says that he was a man of integrity. Integrity is that we get the word integer. It's a whole number, not divided, not divided, but completely sold out to God. And so we read next in chapter 39, it says, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. According to Charles Ryrie, and this actually, there's a lot of uh, commentators, it's, I guess it's just really clear in history. The events of this chapter are described in chapter 52 of Isaiah, I mean Jeremiah, and the siege lasted approximately 30 months, beginning January 15th, 588, to July 18th, 586 BC. That's the, when they started the siege. They surrounded it. They didn't let anyone come in, no one go out. Imagine you don't have any deliveries. Eventually the Walmart shelves are going to get uh, empty, right? Um, we're talking water supplies. We're talking about just the ramifications of such thing. The only time that it ever got worse for Jerusalem was in 70 AD. And in both cases, the moms were eating their children. So we're talking famines. We're talking pestilences. We're talking about eventually the battering ram, according to Josephus. He said that final battering ram went in and they were able to enter the city. They had surrounded it for all that time. And again, to me, I'll be honest with you. It's like, wait a minute. The Lord is so long-suffering. He gave them so much time to get right with God, to just give their hearts to him. But unfortunately, they didn't. And so it says in verse 3, Then all the princes of the king of Babylon came in, and sat in the middle gate, uh, Nergal Sharazer, uh, Samgar Nebo, that's probably a title, um, Sarsakim Rabsarsis. This guy was probably the 
the king's chief counselor, Rapsarsis being a title, Nurgar Sarezer, Rabmag with the rest of the princes of the king of Babylon. Notice it says in verse 3 that they sat in the middle of, in the middle gate. And what that symbolizes, it would be like someone uh, uh, conquering Washington, D.C., going into the White House and placing themselves there in the Oval Office. They came and they took over. That's what we see happen to God's people. And so it was, it says in verse 4, when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and all the men of war saw them, that they fled and went out uh, by the city, out of the city by night, by way of the king's garden, by the gate between the two walls, and he went out by way of the plain. He got pretty far. He was close there. Uh, get ready to cross the river. And, and again, just as, a, as something that we've been talking about over and over again, a, a good leader doesn't do this to his people. A good leader stays strong and courageous, willing to follow God, even if it's unpopular with those he's aspiring to lead. But to me, it's just pathetic because here's the man responsible for this catastrophe. And what does he do? He abandons them. He abandons them. You know, and so it's just everything this guy does is something that we can learn from, hopefully, his mistakes. It says in verse 5, But the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced judgment on him. Then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah, the king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. How many people do you know that will suffer unnecessary catastrophe because they refuse to allow Jesus to be the Lord of their life. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And so here you see this guy, he runs away, the Babylonians capture him, which was actually predicted. And then, um, you know, imagine you're there, and, you know, who do you love more than anyone else? Your children, right? And so... My walk affects my children. Now, of course, they all have to make their own decisions, but I don't want to make it easy for them to walk away. So I have to be a man of integrity the best that I can because here we see kind of like the consequences of this. Here's this man. He had heard from Jeremiah the prophet, but he refused to listen. And so uh, what they do is they kill his sons right in front of him. And, and it's interesting because the titles that are used here for these individuals, and I'll show you guys afterwards, is slaughterer. One of these guys right here is called the slaughterer. And I don't know how those sons were killed, how those guys were killed. They were slaughtered. Now, the Babylonians were usually not as bad as the Assyrians, but they did do this. The Babylonians would go, the king would go, he would be the one 
to, to kill the, the family members and then with his own hands go and gouge out those eyes. And that's exactly what the king did here. He gouged out. So the, the last thing he saw was his children slaughtered. And then from that point on, it was darkness for the rest of his life. You know, and so sometimes you come to Bible study and it's a really encouraging study. You're like, yay, that was fun. <laughs> Other times you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have gone tonight. No, I'm just joking. You guys don't do that, right? Sometimes you get the warnings and I hope you guys are okay with that. I mean, that's the beauty of teaching the Bible. I'll bet you almost anything that there are no pastors in the whole wide world, all while there might be some who would say, oh yeah, you know what, even though I'm not there, I'm going to teach the book of Jeremiah chapter 38 and 39. No, that's the beauty of Calvary Chapel is you have to go through the whole Bible. And sometimes they're good, they're easy, they're, they're so much you know, more palatable, and other times they're warning. But, but it's good because what we learn is a balanced view of God, that he's a loving God, he's a gracious God, you're here tonight, you're struggling you know, and I pray you're encouraged by the truth that he loves you and he's willing to forgive any sin. The power of the blood of Jesus can forgive any sin. Amen? But there also has to be a healthy fear of God. A healthy fear of God. Well, I'm not, you know, doing what I used to do and um, I'm not getting high anymore. I'm not getting drunk anymore. And so I'm good. I don't throw out too many F-bombs. And, and God is saying, but, but, but you should be many different things they need to change and what has the holy spirit been putting on 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 your life and you're just like you know nah god says no i want i want your whole life because otherwise these are the types of things that that can happen and they and they gouged out his eyes it says in verse 7 moreover he put out zedekiah's eyes bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to babylon and the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire, broke down the walls of Jerusalem so they would no longer have that protection. Then Nebuzaradan. Now that's the one, that name right there, that's the one that means slaughterer. So this guy was involved. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive to Babylon the remnant of the people who remained in the city and those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained. You know what's interesting is over in the book of Ezekiel, this was prophesied how they would catch the king and how they would gouge out his eyes. I believe we have that, that verse, Ezekiel chapter 12. It says, And the prince who is among them, so that's speaking of Zedekiah, shall bear his belongings, he gets his stuff, on his shoulder at twilight and go out. They shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. He shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. In other words, he's trying to disguise himself on the way out, hide himself. But verse 13, Ezekiel writes this, I will also spread my net over him and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans. And check this out. Yet he shall not see it. Now that's a weird prophecy. Uh, unless you knew homeboy was blind because they gouged out his eyes. This is exactly what happened to King Zedekiah, though he shall eventually die there. So it's an interesting prophecy that came true, I mean, literally in the life of Zedekiah. And so imagine that they carry the people away 
Verse 10, but Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah, the poor people who had nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. They weren't a threat. They might even be able to produce, um, you know, um, produce, things like that, um, taxes for Babylon. And so it says in verse 11, now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him. Do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. So Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent Nebuchadnezzar, Rapsarsis, Nergar, these are crazy names, huh? Shar, Ezer, Ramag, and all the king of Babylon's chief officers. Then they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to Gedaliah. He would be the governor, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shepham, that he should take him home, so he dwelt among the people. And so real quick, we're just about to finish. Um, Jeremiah was in the pit for a little bit. He was. And you will probably be in the pit sometimes. You know, for doing the right thing. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But like Job and like, you know, Jeremiah and like Joseph, who also was in a pit, and in prison, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. Do not stop believing in Jesus. As a matter of fact, even there, you know, my encouragement to you is to cry out to God. Uh, there's a psalm, I think, uh, I don't have it here. Psalm 69, 14. You get a chance to read that one when you're in the pit. You pray that one. You know, and so Jeremiah, after it's all said and done, the king tells the guy, this big slaughterer dude, he says, okay, go find Jeremiah and uh, just make sure that he's okay. And just as a matter of fact, give him whatever he wants. And so how did Jeremiah find favor in the Nebuchadnezzar's eyes? How did Jeremiah find favor? Well, some say it was because maybe the captives went and they you know, told King Nebuchadnezzar that Jeremiah was telling them to surrender, right? And so maybe it was their informants there. But ultimately, who was it? It was God. And God will give you favor. And if you do not lose heart, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. But Lord, it's been two weeks now. It's been two years now. David had to wait, you know, 10 years. Abraham had to wait 25 years. Some people get mad at God. They think he's taking too long. Give me a break. You know, here we see Jeremiah was blessed. He and God will bless you. You know, it's so beautiful to see as you just continue to do that right thing. But I love the way it finishes in verse 15. It says, meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah. So this is prior to the fall of Jerusalem. Had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, go and speak to Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity, not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. He's telling, you know, uh, e this guy right here, Ebed-Melech, that Jerusalem is going to get thrashed, and you're going to see it. But I love it. Verse 17, 
But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid, for I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you. Why? Why? Because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. And I thought that was interesting because I figured, as I'm reading the sentence, I figured he's going to finish it by saying, Ebed Melech, you're, you're going to be good and blessed. Your life will be a prize because when Jeremiah was there in the pit, you went over there and you got those 30 guys and some of them were pulling them up and the rest were guarding the whole thing and you know you rescued my prophet Jeremiah. And that's not what he said, not because of what you did, but because of who you trusted in. And let me tell you something, it wasn't easy for this guy to go against the grain of everyone else and all the other princes and officials and all that kind of stuff to go against them. But it took courage and he was strong. It sure definitely reminds me of what the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. All my ways, God says, acknowledge the Lord, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but his name Ebed Melech. You know, it's really cool, man. It just basically see it just basically means that um that you know he's the servant of the king. The servant of the king. And that's who we gotta be. So may God give us wisdom as leaders. May God give us wisdom in the whole area of counselors, and may God give us wisdom in the whole area of being a messenger. Yeah, we might end up in the pit because people don't like our message, but don't let it change. You share the word of God, you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and it'll give you the things that you need to say. And if you're here tonight, and you know, um, my, my prayer, I guess at the end of the day, at the end of the night, is that we would ask the Lord this, somewhere tonight, whether it be now or later, Lord, you ask the Lord, because it's kind of interesting. King Zedekiah, he went to Jeremiah. You know what he said? Be honest with me, Jeremiah. Be honest with me. Okay? So this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Myself too. I'm going to go to the Lord. Not you, because you guys, nah, I'm not going to go to you. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to say, Lord, be honest with me. Lord, tell me what I need to hear. And Lord, as I listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be like this guy. I'm going to learn from his mistake. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to surrender.